When Strong Women Talk is a Why Empower podcast produced by Our Blog Studios. WSWT is a container for self-healing, connection, and meaningful discussions. We're speaking our truths with each other and sharing them with you at home. My name's Ness, and I'm the founder of Why Empower Australia, a youth mentoring advocacy service geared towards helping young people aged 17 to 27 create paths for themselves that are fulfilling, passion-driven, and full of empathy and love. I am Tallulah. I am a co-founder and mentee of Why Empower Australia. I pride myself in being a champion of others and an activist for a better future. I love cake, astrology, and the colour yellow. Thank you for joining us. Um, welcome. Welcome. To episode nine of When Strong Women Talk. Thank you for tuning in. We're joined today uh, by musician, environmental scientist, and all out extraordinary person, Zia Dala. Hello. Thank you for joining us today. It's oh my so gosh. wonderful to have you. This is so cool. You got a fully hectic place. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We hope um, we hope that you enjoyed dinner with us. Oh my gosh, it was divine. Good. I feel so satisfied, so nourished. Yeah, home, homely, Thank homely you. food. That's my that's my go to. Um, but yeah, we're so excited to have you on today to talk about all sorts of different things. Um, but before we do, we would like to acknowledge that we're recording this podcast on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, um, and we pay our respects to elders past and present thank you i would also like to acknowledge the gadigal people and pay my respects to their elders past and present i like making my own loose leaf tea like the top shelf there is just like my herbs whoa nice mm. Mm. is it like a cultural thing mm. It kind of is, yeah, like both my grandparents on both sides so I've always been very like go to the garden before you go to the doctor kind of people because mm. like one, they didn't have enough money to be able to like spend on the doctor. Mm. It, like in Chile, for example, everything's private. So <laughs> if you get sick and you don't have a garden, you're fucked. True. Um, so yeah, so my grandma, my great grandma used to just trade everything in the home. Yeah. It's like, and... Chinese herbal medicine has been going for 2,000 years, so there's a lot packed into that that I feel like we could definitely talk about for a long time, but yeah, yeah. I think um, I also just wanted to sort of learn about it because my grandparents, when they moved to this country, they really lost connection with all of that because, you know, assimilation is a thing and you have to kind of like not mm. be weird. <laughs> Feel like, oh, what's that? Like, uh, and they tried really hard. They did. How terrible is assimilation? I fucking mm. hate it. Yeah. I'm all for being weird. Mm, me too. My favorite is people are weird. Yeah. I think like that's that's like where we're at right now. It's like this generation that's coming up, like especially of migrants. Like they've seen their parents try really hard to just sort of fly under the radar, like coast. And now I think I'm like for me I'm just like fucking I'm weird. We're all weird. I think yeah. I, I do truly think that everyone is weird. Mm. Just some people, some are people better, don't show it. Or better at hiding it. Mm. Or you just don't see it. Mm. 100%. Yeah. 
But also, who decides what's normal? That is such a good question. Right now, it's currently the systems of power that belong mostly to white men, I would say. But I would also say that white male power is sort of making its last stand. Yeah. I feel that. I think there's definitely, like, a shift. Mm. And people are diving in to embracing their divine femininity. Yeah. That's what we talk about a lot. Yeah. I love talking about the divine feminine. <laughs> Mostly because, like, I remember the first few times, like, because we went through a period where we weren't speaking to each other for a while. Now, um, and it was, like, fun and traumatic. But then when we came back, I was like, I just think it's so interesting that men don't want women to talk to each other um and thus this show was kind of born right because when strong women talk when strong women talk the bullshit is over and like men all the games that men play mm. to like pit women against each other they just get like thrown to the the dust basically um and i think it is because they are truly afraid of like what women can do and like what innate abilities we have as well yeah as healers and as empaths and a slew of other things that we don't even know because we... Well, it can't be controlled, right? Mm. And men like to control things and to be predictable. Mm. And women aren't. Hashtag not all men. That's <laughs> <laughs> true, though. I feel like that's kind of how patriarchy was born. It's, like, literally fear mm. of, like, the power of women. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, yeah, like you said, they could do all these things that men couldn't, and that was, like, scary. Mm. Like... How is your intuition so strong? Like, how are you so, like, in tune with, like, your psychic abilities? Like, mm. that's witchery. That's... Burner at the stake. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. I think... Mm, as I continue to think about it more, I think about how maybe it's not so much just femininity, but the perfect balance of divine femininity and divine masculinity. And there's so much that goes into that. But for me personally, like, the yin and yang is one of those things like Mm. it talks about the perfect balance between male and female energies and for me i've met a few men in my life that matt is one of them that encapsulate that divine feminine energy as well as divine masculine energy and i think that in and of itself is like such a magical combination Mm. that like you just can't go wrong agreed and i think men are afraid of letting that in because what would that mean we don't know yeah i guess because they were taught to like suppress that Mm. it's like I feel I read this book which like really changed my view on like men and masculinity is by bell hooks Mm. Um, you love bell hooks yeah the will to change and yeah it kind of like made me see men in like a different light and how I think they all want to be able to like express their emotions and be in touch with their feminine side and all those things but it's like they're shamed for doing so and I also really had to check myself and how I kind of perpetuate patriarchy Mm. by like trying to get men to like also uphold stereotypes of what a man is Mm. I'm just like, yeah, wow, I didn't even realize that I was also perpetuating. Part of the yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it takes like a lot of like self reflection for women also to like Move check past. themselves. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Like, I'm going back to it because it's my only main frame of reference. But 
met in the early stage of stages of our relationship we used to have a lot of fights and like in those fights I think I've just like gotten so good because my my childhood was one where I was like not really encouraged to be sensitive or like to cry often which is crazy because I'm a water sign and that's just what I do <laughs> but with him like he's just so open with that stuff and he would just start crying and I'd be like why are you crying like so confused and I was just like I just don't register and I don't think that we have this broader conversation at play that it's okay for men to cry um and so when I was presented with it I really had to yeah check myself because I was like wow like this challenges me so much and I don't know why Mm -hmm. and I think being able to move past that has only like made us a lot stronger um because yeah I'm like you are totally valid in your feelings it's so crazy that most other men are not (laughs) and I guess that's why like it also translates into like anger for a lot of men as well mm. and like we're dry walls yeah well, watch they, out you know they can't be mm. sad right because that is like weakness and mm. crying is weakness and so i must be angry but i'm actually just upset mm. and like shoving down the sadness for long enough can turn anything into anger right so true that's so interesting mm. And a lot of men, when they're anxious or having a panic attack, they turn to anger as well. Because I'm overwhelmed. Mm. But I need to be strong. So I must take an aggressive stance. Mm. And that's a whole other conversation about how strength translates into anger in this world as well. Like, being angry, I think we need to teach people, is not necessarily a strength, you know. Just because you're able to be louder or be more dominant in a situation doesn't necessarily mean that you're stronger. Sometimes I feel like it's much more powerful to, like, remain grounded and centred when someone is coming at you, you know? Yeah, I think that's strength. Yeah. Like, being able to do that if someone's coming at you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not able to just yet, but <laughs> maybe one day. I can't either. When I get angry, I just cry. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is this is how I deal with anger. Literally, I just cry. Mm. Wish I could deal with it in other ways, but that's just how it happens for me. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, because I used to train like um, Muay Thai and we used to uh, like do sparring, right? And I found that when I was training with dudes, a little bit of their ego would come into play where they had to like kind of prove their strength to me Mm. and would kind of just like unleash all their power. Whereas in our training, it was more about like learning how to fight from a place of discipline and like focusing on techniques and things like that Mm. as opposed to just like coming with your like full-blown power. and then, so when they were like hurting me, I'd get really upset and kind of just want to unleash myself because like it pissed me off. Mm. Um, but then I'd like literally just be like, I'll be back in a second. And I'd go downstairs and have a cry. Good, good. <laughs> and then come back and be like, all right, let's go. Because yeah. I don't want to like fight them from that space of like, I'm trying to hurt you. Mm. I'm like there to like train with you so we can both better our techniques and be, um, yeah, I guess like better fighters in that but it's never from that place of anger. Mm. I feel like that's so many women mm. who, like, just swallow it and go somewhere else. And just, like, that's me. <laughs> yeah. I'll cry. Like, <laughs> I'm fond of anger, though. But I, like, only if it's not corrosive. Like, if it doesn't really hurt you, I think anger is, like, a fuel. Mm. Like, a lot of activism is yes. around anger. Like, mm. this is fucked to do something about it mm. and it's making me angry and like that whole thing of if you're not angry you're not paying attention mm. and like 
but then I I do see that anger can yeah it can corrode people and it can like ruin relationships and it can ruin yourself like sense of self mm. and being so you have to be careful with it but I think it's not something to be hated mm. or rejected if you're angry you're angry mm. yeah 100% it's like a very normal human emotion um, but I think also with like those kind of emotions like especially in the case of like protesting and things like that I think is so important um, but it does take a toll on your body like mm. physically mm. so going back to like fighting for example if you were to fight from that space of like anger you would actually get tired a lot quicker than if you were like grounded grounded and centered um, so yeah it does like take a toll on like your physical body I think mm. I think it's so funny that our conversation has come here because I've been thinking about this a lot lately right the future of activism and what that looks like because obviously like I think anger is important and it has a role to play but I think that its role has kind of been reached like the effectiveness of its role has been reached specifically within the activist framework because I think yes anger can carry us to a certain point but after anger what is there right and I think there's more that we could be doing in the space hmm, I don't know how to frame this in the correct way but in my mind, I was like, imagine if we protested by just, like, lying on the ground. Like, everyone. Like a die-in? Yeah. I, not necessarily a die-in, more like a, like a, like a meditate-in. <laughs> I, I think I know what you mean, because, like, I've spoken to heaps of people who have, like, mentioned that, you know, when they hear of protests or see protests and they see a whole bunch of angry people, they don't really want to, like, engage with the cause mm. um and so they would say that you're sort of like doing a disservice to the cause by being angry because people don't want to be open and engaged with it mm. but i also think that's like super dangerous yeah and also um maybe i don't know what the right word is ignorant mm. on their bit because like you know people are pissed off because they've just faced so much injustice and mm. they have like a right to express that anger yeah but i think what you're trying to say is that it needs to also be met with like an openness and mm. like solutions to like mm. help further the cause yeah and also get people engaged as mm. well yeah and i mean like for me personally like i definitely see the value of anger because yeah i have gone to many a protest myself and been very affected by the vibrations of that protest but I always think about imagine if those vibrations those energetic vibrations in that space rather than of being like sadness or anger were for a higher level of consciousness perhaps like I think that the change that could be brought about by that vibration could be much more effective than maybe the anger has been in the past. Because I mean, we're still protesting and we have been protesting for so long that maybe something is wrong with the equation of protesting. Like I've been to so many protests where yes, it is like extremely powerful and yes, I've been extremely affected when I walk away, but afterwards it's exhausting, you know? Like not only on an individual level, but also on a collective level, you know? Like a collective can only hold so much pain for so long before we need to have a conversation about transforming and healing from it but i also feel like we hold that pain anyway yeah so it's almost like an expression of that mm. which i feel like 
it's really important to be able to also express these very normal human emotions mm. um but obviously in a way that is not like harmful mm. to yourself mm. um so it's like what happens when we suppress anger or what happens when we suppress sadness it comes out in like weird ways mm. so i think it's like protesting is kind of like a performance or like an expression of that um but also how, like how do you get people's attentions like i'll give you the best example i can think yeah. of like in in sydney we recently had a protest for like the the chilean injustices that were happening in south america um like because everything's kind of cooked over there even the water's private um so they had like solidarity protests here in australia and rather than like really channeling the negative side of emotion there was just lots of music and lots of dancing and just joy I think and I think sometimes that joy can be almost like revolutionary in and of itself because so much wants you to be desolate and emotionally broken by it Mm. that when you meet it with joy it almost is yeah I would say like that was probably the best protest I've ever been to because I didn't walk away feeling completely hopeless Mm. I can see that yeah Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of about like restoring hope, restoring faith that like things are going to change. Yeah. Mm. And I, I think that like, I definitely agree with you. Like, there is a place for anger in it. And maybe if we like segmented protests more, or like put it into like, okay, so the beginning is going to be like joy, excitement, the middle is going to be anger, and we're going to express all our feelings and get it all out there. And then the end, we're just going to like recenter and ground. Mm. imagine if we did something like that you know that sounds interesting I like the idea of that yeah because yeah I think it's probably like the whole like array of emotions on yeah. this spectrum yeah because I guess yeah I, I see your point in that protests they bring emotions up in people and then they leave it there like, and like what do you do with it yeah mm. and they're like good luck like <laughs> like you just have conjured up so much in someone and then haven't given them the tools or resources to like go forth with that. And I remember my mum and I went to the Women's March in Canberra and it was... Pause. Okay. Um, yeah, we were at the Women's March in Canberra mm-hmm. after everything that happened with the stuff in Parliament House. Um, and Brittany Higgins was there and it was incredibly powerful, incredibly a lot. And... I'm so glad we went and it was amazing. But that night, her and I got into this big argument and I think it was literally just that we were holding on to pain and anger and we Mm. needed to get it out somehow because it was such a dumb argument. And at the end we were like, why are we even arguing? But it was just that we we held this and we had taken on all of this anger. Mm. Mm. I think about it quite a bit. Because, like, yeah, like, the individual's power when we meditate on an individual level versus, like, imagine if we did it on a large global scale. It would be amazing, you know? I feel that. I'm also thinking about how maybe we all have different roles to play. So maybe it's the role of some people to kind of move forth with this like energy but also for like 
other people to play like a different role because mm. I find that when I go to pr- protests a lot of the time I feel like I'm holding space mm. more than being angry mm. but also like creating that space for like people to be angry especially when you're like standing in solidarity and you're like an ally mm. so yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's about having like that balance in terms of like what role individuals play. I would then ask how would we make that happen? Because a lot of people approached the second wave feminism movement and said, you'd get so much further if you didn't, if you weren't so angry. And it's mm. like, that's incredibly damaging. And I think kind of ironic to say to women who are mm. part of the feminist movement, because it was healthy and transformative that they were angry because they just went oh shit is fucked and it has been for so long um and women have been told not to be angry about everything for so many years um so i think you'd have to be very careful in the way that you went about it i would probably not say careful and just mindful and heartful you know and i think taking yourself on the journey is the first step and then bringing people around you when they're ready to is the second step because you can't really just go into a group of people who are angry and say hey I think it's a really good idea if we just maybe keep the anger to the center of it only because that just won't work Mm. it would have to be something where you know an individual has seen the benefit of mindfulness and meditation in their own life Mm. enough to be able to speak for it and vouch for it on a global collective scale I feel that I feel like also being able to like get to that place is like a privilege that I'm very aware of like Mm. in terms of being like like having a higher education and having access to like people and mentors and things like that Um, which also not everybody has access to Mm. and so for example if you were like from a refugee background and you arrived in Australia by boat and like in terms of like your English literacy skills are like super low and you're just like in this state of survival and you're also living in a place where like people don't accept you and you don't feel like a sense of belonging you don't feel like you can ground yourself in like things like that it takes a long time to be able to like work through that Mm. as well Um, so I think like even that journey is like really long but what I feel like we can do as like a collective on this path is just continue being that example um, and creating space for like people to come into that Mm. like you said when they're ready to yeah 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 Yeah, because they're like even T was one of them at one point when I started on this like meditation stuff she was like I don't like meditating thinking about my breath makes me anxious like blah 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 and yes same yeah yeah for the very first time like a few weeks ago she was like can I meditate with you and I like she can tell you I went off I was like oh my god of course like I don't want to do like what do I like can we do it right now like (laughs) um but I wouldn't have been able to do that had she not maybe seen how it made me feel because you can't really just tell someone to do it 
it has to be something that you like voluntarily opt in to do mm. but I guess for me I always get really <laughs> really anxious and I should really step out of this sometimes but when I think about I said this to you yesterday I constantly feel like we're almost like running out of time feel like we're running out of time for people to like wake up to themselves and wake up to like what we're doing to this planet and like wake up to each other and all that stuff and it freaks me out sometimes because I'm like I don't feel like I'm doing enough I feel like time is a construct I know (laughs) and when we're in flow time and space so irrelevant actually Mm. and I can see how it is important in terms of like us being able to like function in this world and like this society and stuff but I think for as long as we're like consistent things are gonna change Mm. I think it's happening very slowly but I think it's happening and like I too think about that a lot probably not as much as you but Mm. I do like especially with like climate change But also, like, if there's progress, there's progress. And we have to be grateful and happy for that. And I think we're slowly getting there. I mean, if we're going to think about and talk about COVID at all, Mm. I think a lot of people kind of woke up to the realization of how much we need to be connected yeah to the earth Mm. like all of a sudden i seen that people were like buying up all the plants in bunnings and wanted to like have their own gardens and like be self-sustaining and self-sustaining and stuff because what if we can't go to the shops Mm. and all of a sudden they were like going for walks and getting fresh air because we were made to sort of like isolate and just be stuck So I think people are, like, waking up to it, like like you said, super slowly. But it's happening. But it's happening. I think, I mean, every every big movement starts slowly, too. Mm. Because humans are very stubborn, we're very fickle, and we don't like change that's not necessarily what we're after to begin with, I think. Um... Some humans. Yeah, but I mean, as a as a collective, we're kind of a little bit slow on the uptake of some change, I think. What are we after? I think the people that are comfortable are slow on the uptake. Mm. And even, even comfortable in sadness as well, or comfortable in mm. discomfort. Mm. What are we after? That's a really good question. Consciousness. I think from consciousness everything else comes as you become conscious of yourself of each other and also of your place in the earth like we're surrounded by this humongous spiritual being but most of us are stuck like 12 feet off the ground in office buildings that we're so disconnected from Mm. like I think about my old work all the time and I'm like whoa I'm glad I'm not doing that anymore Mm. I can go to the park if I need to, to ground. Couldn't do that in a nine to five, Monday to Friday. Like, and there are still people who are literally like stuck in it. And I just, I get worried. Cause I'm like, it, 
and we've talked about people like for example who work in malls Mm. who live in apartment buildings like you're literally going up Mm. going into an underground car park going back out going back into an underground car park and then going back up like imagine that kind of transient lifestyle you know it's like dystopian Mm. yeah i think there's an interesting point you're made about like happy with the discomfort it's almost like not seeing that there is actually like a better way Mm. or like so many people are like that and it makes me sad because like like that's just the way life is and Mm. yeah but it makes me sad that like someone did that to them i think Mm. that like i think children are innately hopeful and entirely spiritual as well yeah many of us when we're children have perception of like other realms like we have like imaginary friends which people are like they're not real and then you stop seeing them Mm. that's a whole other discussion but um muji for example he's one of my favorite spiritual teachers you can find his videos on youtube and spotify um he, he always prefaces it with like don't worry i'm not gonna like make you uncomfortable you're already uncomfortable like (laughs) i'm like that's that's a flex because correct like there's so many people who are like desperately sad and they're like i'm just like what do you what do you have to lose you know by exploring your mind but also your heart so true but if we also were to talk about like the balance of things Imagine we were never desperately sad. Mm. Would we ever be super happy? Mm. Mm. I also think about this. Yeah, like what if we were living in some kind of like nirvana Mm. and we just like had everything super easy? I would hate it. I don't know if you'd hate it, but you would hate it if you had no context of what the other side was. So I think that's what the concepts, this is going to sound a little bit meta to people who aren't necessarily aware of the, the circumstance, but like Atlantis, they say, was almost like a, a nirvana of sorts. Like it was like living perfectly on Earth. Um, and ultimately, they believe that that's what caused its destruction, was that people were just unappreciative of what they had. Um, and yeah, just wanted more, which I think is really important to understand because I think humanity in general is one of the only, like, only beings on this earth that has committed such giant atrocities towards its own kind. And I think that, you know, when you see consciousness through that lens and you see deep unconsciousness through the lens that we have it at the moment, like, You know, I think that contrast is important to appreciate what we could be. Yeah. So I was talking to a good friend of mine, Mish, about it. She's just like, it would just be so boring. She's just like, it would just be so boring. Um, going back to Atlantis, I heard that aliens had something to do with it. <laughs> I love talking about aliens. I love talking about aliens. Um, yes. <laughs> Like with, <laughs> like with most um, ancient civilizations also, mm. like I believe that, um, you know, 
contact has been made many, many times. But obviously, you know, we, we actually talked about this the other day. We were like, um, like, think about the way that humans treat people that are different to them right now. Like, just different race. Mm. Imagine if it was an entirely different, like, planet species. species. Mm. Like, refugees get called illegal, like, aliens. in some parts of this world so i think humanity might not necessarily be entirely ready for it but it's already happened and i think the people that be the power that power structures at play inverted covers um probably just think that humanity can't hack it and i think they know because they've also created the circumstances for humanity not to be able to hack it you know because keeping everyone sad divided and angry with each other is easier to control a population. 100%. And I think, going back to your point about, like, how Nirvana might be boring, but I guess, like, in my mind, I see it as, like, my dream one day is to start, like, a soul village where, like, you can all just... It's going to be full of my favourite people and, like, we're going to, like, garden and, like, live off the land and just, you know, make our own meals like communal meal sharing is something that we don't really do very often i've been meaning to do one for this entire apartment block at some point in our hallway because i think that would be lovely Mm. we live with people we live above and below people we don't even know their names and i find so much discomfort with that yeah um but yeah i just think that there's so much especially like communal healing as well something that we all should like we need each other yeah segue we had a bit of a communal healing moment the other day at an event that we had for your a, documentary it was a great segue <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was a communal healing moment and it was very powerful i think so definitely see it as you know the start of something that can create a lot of like positive changes in the way of like how we talk about mental health mm. and how we like view mental health um but yeah i wish it was like my documentary but i think it's like our documentary which is <laughs> communal <laughs> in and of itself yes yeah i mean it took like a team of people to come together and to volunteer their time to put it together um, yeah. yeah to put it together totally self-funded it took like some really you know inspiring and brave people to put their hands up and to share their stories and their personal experiences with mental health um and to share it in a way that is like empowering for them as well as for people who hear it i think Mm -hmm. um but also very aware of how it can be triggering as well for people Mm. who watch it with like some things that come up I think I don't know if it's because it's like not really like expected I don't know how did you all feel about the event and screening well I think we should give context for our listeners Um, the documentary we're speaking about is called Can We Talk and it is a short documentary about mental health and having a conversation about that. Um, I 
found it quite triggering, but very necessary. And I thought it was done very sensitively. Um, and I lacked, I don't know, it just, it felt very comforting. Yeah. Yeah. I think the first time I watched it, yeah, I was pretty much in the same sort of state. Um, but I loved it. Um, I thought, yeah, definitely comforting, like getting a warm hug from an old friend. Mm. Um, and I guess the ability to open up that space in that way, it's very different to how, for example, governments try and talk to people about mental health, where it's very top down and like speaking down to it's like when a community initiative is presented by a community it's so much more impactful and meaningful and I think hearing it from people who are normal people and who are not just you know actors paid by the government Mm. (laughs) to say some lines it's very um authentic and genuine and real and I think people are kind of missing that in their own lives as well is that ability to be who they really are with other people. And I think what we saw after the screening as well was authenticity. Mm. So authenticity, Mm. in my mind, breeds authenticity. When you are free yourself, you give people the space to do so. Word. Mm. (laughs) Thank you for, yeah, the context as well. That helps. (laughs) (laughs) So, Um, like... do you see what mm. I mean by we forget that we're like podcasting? Yes. <laughs> Which is why I had to be like, listeners, this is what we're talking about. Mm. Yes. So yeah, <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> yes. And I mean, um, when you when you were getting it all together, it started off as a music video, right? Yes. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, I was approached by a filmmaker named Christopher and he uh knew about my music and he had just started on creating music videos for artists so he hit me up and he was like hey i really want to do one of your music videos and the song that came to mind was anna's song because i remember talking to jennifer who wrote that beautiful book to honor the life of her younger sister um angela and just remembering that it was like so important to have that out in the world so i was like this is the video clip that i want to work on and I think it'd be really cool if we, you know, interviewed people for like, you know, stories of their lived experiences with mental health. And we really had no idea that it was going to turn into this documentary, this short documentary. Um, but I can also see how necessary it was. Like, I don't really know of many <laughs> mental health documentaries. It's like, why does this not exist? Mm. Um, even just like as a resource for like people to um you know watch but then also be like a it's off now sorry it went off because it's a good idea yes yeah. <laughs> to use as a resource um and also like a kind of like a conversation starter because i kind of see that as like my role as an artist is to kind of like talk about hard things bring it to the table 
in a pretty way mm. <laughs> using poetic techniques and melody and rhyme and rhythm and just make it like really accessible mm. so people have that moment to like reflect on what you know certain things mean for themselves mm. and i think that's what i like to do with my audiences is like have a two-way dialogue as opposed to hey i'm performing a song you listen and like that's it i think music is like about that connection mm. Mm. and art as well is like a conversation starter like when 100%. you see like a good piece of art you're gonna want to talk about it to somebody right that's like right, yeah. this made me feel this kind of way mm. it makes me think of um that documentary that we watched as well about the women's movement and how a lot of the art from women in that time was not really celebrated or like promoted by people who own the art galleries because they were dudes obviously but there were some really interesting pieces like a whole house was turned into um almost like an art exhibit about women being stuck in the house where they had like female mannequins literally stuck in like home appliances and pieces of furniture yeah whoa and i think mm. that sort of stuff is incredibly powerful mm. when people see it because well, even when they hear about it because they're like it is a commentary on what life as is right now yeah and i've always thought about how it'd be important to do something about how there's so much happening around us at the moment but people aren't necessarily paying attention mm. but yeah that's that that's that's all i had on that okay <laughs> i think about that like almost it occupies free space in my brain without paying rent and it's just like someone should do that <laughs> Um, so if anyone's listening out there and they want to do an art piece, let me know because I'll support you in that. It'd be really cool. Um, About how people are not paying attention. Yeah, because they're like too consumed by their phone or their thoughts. Mm. Mm. Too consumed by their own world. Mm. Yeah, because I think we've strayed so far from like living, you know, in that communal kind of way and thinking about how we can help one another to this really like individualistic view because and i think fear has a lot to do with it mm. so like people are like in kind of like the survival mode but are in turn also being super greedy mm. in terms of like resources and things like that it's just like but i need to survive and like me. my family and yeah. it's just like me 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 yeah which is very tied to ego mm. as well and i think we all need ego in order to you know be able to take care of ourselves also um but also to kind of be able to put that aside when our cup is full mm. and to like give and i think gratitude is a huge part of recognizing when your cup is full mm that's that's been huge for me because mm. like i think when you don't necessarily have the traditional markers of like wealth and like you know the the standard of what success looks to most of society at the moment if you don't have those things it's often hard to stop and just really appreciate what you do have because you're always constantly trying to get the next thing and for me for us as well that was like an, a new bigger apartment 
So at the beginning of this year, we were planning on moving and we inspected like so many places and it was almost like the universe was like, just wait, like there's something really perfect out there for you, but it's not right now. And so we had to really just, I specifically had to really just take a, take a hot minute to breathe and be like, I really have everything I need here. Like fully functioning kitchen. I have an ensuite bathroom, like mm. a huge balcony, central location, like and I think just being like, thank you for all of this amazing stuff, you know? Like, because, yeah, I think for a moment there, I was kind of like, see you later. Like, bye, old apartment. It's so true, hey? Like, sometimes I find that I take these kind of things for granted. Mm. I'm just like, yes, want to be heaps more, like, successful so I can have this or have that and feel this type of way. But when, yeah, you go back to gratitude... Like, I had this week of just, like, really deeply loving on water. Mm. I just, like, literally cried every time I thought about how freaking amazing water is. (laughs) What? It literally has the codes of the universe inside it. Right? And just so many lessons to be, like, Mm. learnt from water and, like, dealing with life Mm. in, like, flow, Mm. right? So if you think about, like, how waters flow over rocks and... Nothing stops River it. banks. Mm. No, they just ke- keep on going. Mm. Literally, it's like, even if there are obstacles. What's your star sign? I'm a Gemini. Mm. Yes, indeed. That's my s- sun sign. Got it. Taurus moon. Mm. And Libra rising. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so, I, I think what's so cool about learning um, that I was a Libra rising is that I chose this artist name for myself, right? Which is Z Adala. And Z, because I'm affectionately known as Z. But then Adala, which means justice in Arabic. Mm. Yeah, because I'm like all about the balance and the justice and stuff. I've always like found myself, um, you know, bringing trying to bring like harmony into spaces of chaos like i'm like the peacemaker yeah um and then i found out i was a libra rising and i'm like it all makes sense yeah <laughs> it all makes sense people people put the rising at the end but it actually has so much to do with your personality like sun is central to your personality but i mean your rising sign is the first house of the second part of your chart and so it has, it like rules a lot of who you are. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize that. Um, it's what you are most com- with, comfortable with putting out to the world. Um, so like Beyonce is also a Libra rising. So you have that. Ooh. It's a bit of a flex. <laughs> Yo, Beyonce. I was channeling some of like Beyonce energy when I was like rehearsing for this gig at the Opera House. Because like. I was doing dance moves and rapping and I'm like, yo, how does Beyonce do this? (laughs) Like just singing and dancing at the same time. I was Mm. like, I was training every day because I was like super puffed out after one song. (laughs) I love it. She trains like every day for like a very long time. Yeah, you you probably have to train. Yeah. So what made you get into singing and performing and rapping? That's a really good question, Tallulah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, 
I've always loved singing. Mm. I think ever since I was a kid, mom would like pump Michael Jackson, Mariah Carey, while we're like folding clothes and doing like heaps domestic things. This is like helped us get through. Mm. As the ladies doing all the domestic things in the house. Mm. Um, yeah, so I just started singing along to like Mariah Carey songs. Um, I was like, yeah, okay, wow, I really like love this singing thing. Mm. And then it was all about the Spice Girls. Um, yeah, I wanted to be a Spice Girl. <laughs> That's so fair. <laughs> um, and, and I also found that like when I was younger, I was like such a shy kid that I didn't really like know how to communicate with people. And like the only way that I could really like communicate clearly like my thoughts and my feelings and stuff was through writing poetry and writing songs. So I literally like wrote all my thoughts um, and I still feel a bit like that. Like if I was get to get into an argument with someone and like, I'm really trying to work on it, but I'm a lot more clear in my communication. If I tell them how I feel through an email mm. Mm. <laughs> and then we can have like a verbal conversation about it. Is the email poetic? Ooh. Yeah. I think it just comes out sometimes mm. just like you do it for long enough and then you just start speaking in songs <laughs> um but i guess in terms of like actually putting my music out there that didn't happen until i was probably a, around 22 23 um and it's because yeah i developed anxiety after this car accident and just saw that it was like ruling my life and I didn't want to be social and like talk to people and stuff. So it was like, I became even more shy than I already was. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I can't let this thing just like take over my life. So I was like, what is the scariest thing that I could do um, in terms of feeling anxious and being nervous? And I was like, I know I'll perform in front of people. <laughs> It'll be great. I'll, you know, simulate that kind of, energy or put myself in that situation but through doing so also like learn how to manage it because mm. I would have to perform anyway which means I would have to get through the anxiety and I'd have to get through mm. the nerves and I found that it really helped me and I learned heaps of tools for like managing that anxiety and the nerves and talking to people mm. um now I love it and you're on a podcast now Talking to many people. I know. <laughs> Verbal <laughs> communication and everything. It's incredible. It's a real success story. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember at the um, screening, you and I were talking about um, how performing is actually really good for anxiety because in that moment you're in com complete control. Yes. Because you were like, I'm a control freak. And I was like, so am I. But I found that performing was really helpful. And because everyone is there to look at you and they don't really care what you do in that it, it's completely like you're owning that those few minutes yeah I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up because yeah it made me think about so many things I had like 10 different epiphanies like at the same time <laughs> <laughs> um, I think yeah one is definitely that you, you get to control that moment I mean, sometimes there are things that are like completely out of your control, yeah. like bad sound or uh, unresponsive um, audience, mm. <laughs> which could 
you know, it has to do with like so many things. Um, but I think part of the art is that you are able to like take control of those moments and like make mistakes look like you intended them mm. and it really work to like engage the audience and make them laugh and things like that. Um, but I also, I think one of the reasons why I perform is also because I like attention. <laughs> I know it's weird. I want to hide sometimes and just like dis- disappear into the walls. Mm-hmm. But there are times when I'm just like, yes, attention. I think that's one of my shadow values, mm. if we, if that's what you call it. Mm. Um, but just like getting that in like healthy ways. So not doing like really destructive things in order to get that in- attention, but singing like positive songs about um, or like empowering songs and getting attention that way. Yeah. That works out nicely for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean you get the attention and other people get empowered. That's it. Yeah. I love it. And I do love your music a lot. I have to say that like I don't know, you just speak from this place of honesty and authenticity that I think is just missing from the dialogue at the moment. So yeah, I've kind of gone into this into this situation now where I realise that I don't actually want to listen to any music that won't do me any good. Or, like, watch anything that won't do me any good. Or, like, do anything that won't do me any good. And your music has been, like, a big part of that, too. Because I think your song was probably one of the first, like, really empowering songs that I listened to. And I was like, why the fuck do I not listen to, like, empowering music more often? And then it all just flowed on from there. And I, like, yeah, we've talked about Tony Jones. But I found Tony Jones. And then, like, all that stuff. And, and yeah, now it's... Like, yeah, I think I probably annoy people sometimes because I'm like, repeat, play, repeat. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank thank you so much. That honestly means so much to me because I think for, for me as like an independent artist, um, it comes at a cost doing something that is like truly authentic to me because mm. not so commercial, mm. but I don't know any other way to be like Mm. I just have to be real in terms of my sound and in terms of the things that I want to say and sing about and I might not get like the most attention from like doing that but I love it and I would really not do it any other way and Mm. so it means a lot when people like I feel that or like I really resonate with that it's like yes like yeah you changed my music trajectory so cool but also I'm not I feel like I don't do it for for me. Mm. Like I feel like I'm a vessel, mm. and that might sound wanky, but no. like I'm being really honest. <laughs> I really feel like I am just like a vessel for this like divine inspiration that like comes through me and like helps me to communicate certain things. So it's like it's so not about me. Mm. It's like I do it for all of us. Mm. Not wanky at all. Okay. So many like, <laughs> amazing creators, geniuses, like artists have pretty much said the same thing as well in the past and I think that's when you truly know that the work that is being created is truly serving humanity because it comes from a place other than the ego and like wanting to get paid at the end of the day Mm. and I think that's so important like it's it's one of the pavers to like our path to healing as a collective is empowering music and empowering media in general art film all of that stuff it has the power to affect people in such an innate way that 
if it's not used correctly, it can be abused to hurt the human psyche. Oh, 100%. Like, in a society where we're taught to, like, hate ourselves, definitely mm. mm. want to, you know, mm. create empowering music. Because, like, cap- the way that capitalism works is kind of like they're banking on our insecurities, mm. basically. Imagine we weren't, like, insecure. There's no business. Yeah, there'd be no... <laughs> really? <laughs> In terms of, like, buying makeup or, like, certain types of clothes. And I'm not saying that I do not partake because I do and I'm, like, aware of that. Um, But where I am aware I also, like, have days where I don't wear makeup at all. Or, you know, I'll only go up shopping. um, Just to be, like, you know, I'm sure I'm participating in the society and, like, surviving in the society. But also... um, I'm a real human that doesn't want to participate in the system. Mm. Mm. <sighs> We've had this chat as well about <laughs> multiple things many times. Um, true fans. But do we have your permission to put your song at the end of this? Because I feel like it would be such a cool way to end this podcast. Oh, my gosh. Please do. Yeah. <laughs> Which song? Maybe Anna's song, if you want. Oh, yes. Mm. Yeah, I yes, think I think because it has so much to do with, like, the documentary as well. Mm, mm. Yeah. I think it's like, one of, it's definitely, like, the inspiration for yeah, that. And yeah, and people need to hear her as well. I think, yeah. She's staying awfully quiet. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just listening. <laughs> Is there anything y'all want to pick my brain about? So many things. <laughs> Tall. You have an environmental science degree, yes. Yes, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) What made you go into doing that? Funny story. I was actually going to go into mining. No. Um, Actually, what I wanted to study originally was geology. Mm -hmm. Because I love rocks. I collect rocks. Like, ever since I was a kid. You're speaking her language. (laughs) Let me show you my rocks. (laughs) Oh my gosh, we should totally have show and tell. (laughs) I just had, I've always had this like fascination with rocks ever since I was a kid and just like doing, for example, earth and environmental science or biology in high school really, um, I guess, put into context, like how much rocks mean in, in terms of like history mm. as well. Mm. So like just seeing like the geo- geological time scale, but like through the rocks and all the layers and stuff, I think is like insane. Um, but a really awesome with an environmental science teacher who taught me so much about, I guess, like environmental injustice, but just all these like really cool and beautiful places around the world, like Lord Howe Island, Mm. what? Or kind of like where there's like, um, have you heard of like cyanobacteria? It sounds familiar. So it's like unicellular organism that morph, morphed into a multicellular organism. Mm, yes. And then life kind of like continued to like From that, yeah. form. Yeah. Um, apparently in Australia, in Shark Bay. So I was like just learning all these things. So I'm like, wow, I want to know so much more. Um, and I couldn't do geology because my parents are like super conserv- conservative, protective and 
knew that if I did that, I would just like travel the world, which is also why I wanted to do it. And they're like, no, you gotta stay here in Australia. And I was like, fine, I'll do earth and environment too. Uh, what, what did I study? Oh, a Bachelor of Science majoring in environmental forensics. So it had like a law component, but also very like chemistry based um, subjects as well. That was all about, like if I weren't performing music, I'd probably be in a lab um, testing like soil samples and water samples for like fingerprints right like forensics is like fingerprints that like lead um the detectives back to the criminal Mm. or the person who committed the crime so there are certain like chemicals that can like lead you back to like the company that uses those chemicals and like Mm. dumps in the soil or the water and then Mm. you make them pay for it Mm. i like that yeah so i was like really interested Mm. in that um but yeah, um, even with all the debt that comes <laughs> with doing a uni degree and my master's as well, um, I just like that degree actually really helped to grow my spirit. So all of a sudden I found that from being someone who's not very spiritual, from my science degree, I became so spiritual mm. and just like I would see, I guess like, that inspiration and creation like in nature and like really feel it the most when I was in nature because mm. how could you not right mm. it's amazing it is like and it's not random as well okay so in the su- like when I was studying science and I guess to all the scientists out there <laughs> <laughs> maybe won't agree that's cool um they would always talk about this sort of like random force, right? But what I loved about environmental science is that when you did an experiment, you couldn't replicate nature, mm. right? Even though you were doing like environmental studies, you could never replicate nature. So it w- the science experiment was kind of already a little bit flawed. <laughs> and <laughs> part of science is that, you know, when a theory is a theory is that it can be disproved. So it's also learning about like the philosophy of science too and how science can be used in a backwards way to create something. For example, in pharmaceuticals, where it's just like, we want to create a pill that will turn this thing green. So Mm. it would be about doing anything to turn that thing green as opposed to doing it the other way Mm. and testing. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's like... How green is made rather than creating green from the other side of the spectrum yeah yeah so that that stuff is like really interesting to me too so just going back to like when they talked about this random force of like how things happen in nature i'm like that is the divine Mm. that unseen energy and force like i guess i was like a little bit more into like the quantum Mm. Physics yeah, and quantum ele- mechanics of electromagnetic <laughs> field of the earth. Yes, mm. which we also learn about. Mm. But yeah, it was al- always just like, yeah, it's just random. It's like no man, it's not random. Again, <laughs> uh, or feel again. I feel like if most people were to really truly see nature with their whole being, rather than like just observing it and then making a judgment on it it would be like normally when we look at a flower we're like oh that's pretty but like to really understand the true depth of like how that flower became a flower or like what created the flower 
um, how much water would have been needed, you know, what kind of nutrients in the soil, soil and the conditions that had to be correct for that as well. Like, if you think about it on even like a, an atomic level, like it just, it blows my mind on a daily basis. And that's why I think I'm most grateful when I'm in nature, because I, like, I look around and I'm like, holy goddamn, like, wow, you did this. I literally, like, you did this, like, wow. And I, like, I think walking around with that sense of wonder, the same sense of wonder that we had, like, when we were kids, is probably in part way the way back to maybe respecting our land a little bit more in the place that where we, we really just don't. We're like, oh, yeah, it's just dig it up again, I guess. And, like... It also does wonders for your mental health Mm. to be walking around being like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because it's like happiness and your brain just gets injected with it. Mm. And I think it's your heart, to be honest, that's where I feel it. Yeah, like the warmth of like joy in your heart. I think we always perceive that our brain to perceive it, but I think it comes here first and then we send it. To different receptors, right? And I think we're also inherently electromagnetic beings ourselves. So when we like ground with the earth, with our hands or with our feet, like we're interacting with that on a level that maybe our rubber shoes might be preventing. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like going back to if we're thinking about history and stuff, apparently Moses always had a staff to have like constant connection mm. with the ground. There you go. Which I think is super cool. And like that is super cool. Growing up Muslim as well, like Islamically, we believe that we're made from clay, which is earth and water. So whenever we're connecting with the ground or whenever we like jump in a river or or an ocean, it's like we're reconnecting with ourselves mm. also. Mm. It's like you've gone back to you. I feel that. And then going even further from that like understanding how the earth itself is like this grand massive spiritual being that surrounds us in everything and then understanding that you're a part of that I think is something that is missing in the way that we look at religion and spirituality as well you know because if you're a part of that and everyone's a part of that then we're all connected yeah and it's impossible to deny I'm not so religious anymore. I'm definitely more spiritual. But I had to, I felt like it was important for me to sort of like go back into like, I guess like the Islam that I was taught and be like, because it's kind of like where I learn about creation and stuff. Mm. And like, there is a lot that is said about how the earth was created and things like those creation stories. Like, I really want to understand this more and like what else they say in the Quran. So when I was at uni, I wrote an essay for fun (laughs) about like Islam and the environment and Mm. like all the things that were like just said about the environment and there was a lot that was being done in history to to conserve and care for land Mm. that is not really like spoken about I find by religious leaders just like let's just not talk about this aspect Mm. (laughs) of Mm. it leave it out yeah let's just leave it out <laughs> like but it's so important no i get that i i was raised catholic for 13 years of my life and my whole like lately my whole journey has been marrying what i was taught there with like what i've learned now mm. because for the longest while after high school i was like i want to talk about it i had like i 
kind of like lost my relationship with God a little bit and I was like I don't know how I can ever reconcile that ever again because of how oppressive Catholicism can be Mm. Um, so for me coming back to myself coming back to spirituality meant understanding that they were all just the different words for the same kind of thing and that changed my entire like it blew my fucking mind the moment I had that realization I was like exactly like source the universe is god and i think once i was able to understand that and because it was so hard for me to connect with that idea of source and universe even though i was like i subscribe to it god goddess it got me and i was like wow like i i I can do it you know (sighs) but yeah and i think a lot of the like like you said there's a lot of religious leaders that like pick and choose what best suits the agenda of what keeps them comfortable and keeps them in control mm-hmm. and that's why I think I'm generally staying away from religion and more spiritual like you can have an appreciation for it and I'm like I respect it I respect like the biblical figures and perhaps they did exist in a historical context but mm. almost in the same way that I would respect Buddha from Buddhism and um, Muhammad Jesus ascended masters in my mind you know mm. who are yeah i'm not even gonna go there but like you can cut this bit out but like i generally there's a concept that most ascended masters once they get enlightened they pour their consciousness into like source to help other people get enlightened as well and that makes me happy to think about so i resonate with that because mm. i think that's what we're all doing right in terms of like even being here today and like chatting and stuff is just like i guess whatever wisdom or knowledge we've attained is about like sharing that like Mm. what good is it just to keep that to yourself Mm. books that you don't give away you just hoard yeah i think i've like given away heaps of books not intentionally i'm like yeah i borrowed this but i never get it back but then i'm like oh that's that's cool (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i need to decompress so much packed into that too much? You, you're going to have to be our temperature tester here. No, not too much. I'm just thinking about it a lot. And, I, and I'm warm and so I'm a bit tired. Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. Feel about. I feel that. Yeah. We always defer to thinking, and I'm like, the brain. Mm -hmm. Can be so mean sometimes. It's on our last episode as well. What's that? The discussion about the brain and the heart. Mm, Cool. Yeah, really getting into it. We've really been going it since I read that book, Power of the Heart. Mm -hmm. My brain has just been like, well, I'm going to just defer the consciousness from here to here. It's so hard. You do it for, like, a couple of minutes at a time, and you're like, wow, yeah, okay, I could do this. And the next minute, you're, like, back on a train of thought, and you're like, wow, that lasted for two minutes. True. It makes me tear up every time I do it, though, which I think is interesting. It's good. Yeah. Crying like, not, not good. bad, but, like, not bad crying. Because, like, like, I think it's, like, coming home, coming home to yourself, mm. you know? It's, like, you know, coming home to yourself after you haven't been home for a very long time. And your heart is your home. Oh my gosh. You know? It's so nice. And so it is emotional. It's like a like a homecoming crying. 
Yeah, yeah, that's what I feel. Your heart is where the home is. Mm. I've always, I've always wanted to, and this is, this comes back, I guess, to a little bit of astrology. I love putting astrology into everything, but um, I have always wanted to get the word overflowing tattooed on my heart. Ooh. Um, because just for similarly that reason that whenever I'm like connected to my heart and I feel and I've always thought that my heart was overflowing and then I felt things very deeply to mm. the point that it was like a lot mm. <laughs> um, Mood. and the reason it comes back to astrology is my rising is um, cancer so it's um, like the mother the um, water sign the little homely humble crab matt himself is a his sun sign is a is a cancer the little mm. crab but my rising is is such and so i put out that i'm like nurturing and friendly and it's not that i'm not that but that's like what i'm comfortable in putting out mm. Mm. and what's your sun sign virgo mm. and my moon is libra mm. okay I am sorry to interrupt. That's okay. I uh, saw this meme today that was like, um, cryptocurrency is just astrology for men, and yeah, I relate to that. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know much about cryptocurrency, so I, I have no idea what that means. We do know a lot about astrology. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just more fake money, internet money, because <laughs> we needed more. <laughs> um, I love that. Let me let me just check on the time. <gasps> Your car. Oh yeah, I probably have to head. Yes. Okay. So should we wrap up? We should, but we should do a quick intro at the yes. end of wrapping up. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming along to our lovely little home. Um, and being a guest on our ninth episode. Oh my gosh, yes. thank you so much for having me. And I love the number nine. Yes. Yes. Mm, yeah. It's a very lucky number. It is. Okay. It's a, it just has a good feel about it, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> nine. <I love> feeling, <laughs> feeling more about it is the subtext of this episode, I feel. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, thank you. Thank you, strong woman for yeah. coming to chat to us strong women it's my pleasure and i think the fellow more, strong women yeah <laughs> the more that we talk to more strong women the better i think the better i think these conversations are so important um so we really really thank you for being so present and being so upfront and honest and vulnerable with us because we love that here um and yeah um we have an event that we were supposed to talk about don't we ah oh, yes yes um for our listeners at home on the first of july we have our first wine power community cleanup um so put on some gloves grab one of those rubbish clamp thingies from kmart they're only nine dollars <laughs> and come along with us um to clean up our local neighborhood um yes. it'll be fun and you can dm us for some more information on that yeah We'd love it if you could come too. Sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. Just gonna pick up some rubbish. It's gonna be great. You still love doing that in primary school? Yeah. Actually, I wrote a song for a primary school once. Um, picking up rubbish? Yes, and they would dope. play it after every lunchtime. It goes, um, Rain, rain down the storm water drain. 
Don't take my litter into the river. Rain, rain down the storm water drain. I'll keep it clean for me and for fish in the sea. Rain, rain down the storm water drain. Oh no, I don't remember it. Oh my gosh, can I send it to y'all? This was yes, like years please. ago. Yes, I stuffed that up a little bit. But um That could literally be the theme song for our cleanup day. <laughs> I love it. I have Thank the you. harmonies on it and everything. Like I, we got some of the students to like sing it as well. It's very cute. We were just treated That's so sweet. To a VIP performance. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. That was incredible. You please send it to us. That would be incredible. Will do. Um, and we can stream you on Spotify, yes? Yes. The Apple Music. <laughs> Apple Music, Spotify, got my stuff on YouTube. Yeah, so yeah. it's just at Z-E-A-D-A-L-A, Z-A-D-A-L-A Music. Yeah. yeah, you can find all of the things. Wonderful. Please um, do. Please stream, everyone. Please enjoy her song and a song now. That we'll play right now. Divine to be to find my lines of the carpet. Well, what I do, what I do, what I do. 